Discologist is brought to you in part by Osiris Media. If you love live music, if you love music in general, and I know you do because you're listening to this right here, head on over to OsirisPod.com and find all the great shows up there uh, like Freak Flag Flying with David Crosby, uh, Dead to Me, uh, our sister podcast hosted by Casey Ray, Broke Down Pod hosted by our friend Jonathan Hart. Find all that and more at OsirisPod.com, who are partnered with Jambase. To bring you not just podcasts and videos, but live events as well. Osiris Media, killing it on the regular. Now let's get on with the show. Okay. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Merely a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of the Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuning in to yet another exciting adventure of us here on this couch. I'm your Kevin, coming to you live from a tiny shack in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So happy to have you here with us to hang out listen to some music talk about some music got a great little show for you today we're gonna be uh if you hang out towards the end we're gonna be playing uh a track from a band that i sadly never saw before i escaped dc washington dc uh light beams uh they have a new album it is out on friday called self-help we've got a track from that for you to check out and i, and I do want you to check it out before we get to that uh, you know, we started off this year talking about jazz, Sonny Stitt in particular, and that's because we love jazz here. And uh, more importantly, I think jazz is the way, uh, the way of the future, the wave of the future. So it's not surprising that that you would hear another podcast so soon uh, about it. This time out, we're talking about Jeff Parker. He is a legendary improvisational guitar player. He has played with tours. He's played with so many people. Uh, it's hard to keep track, but he has a, a follow-up to his album from, I believe it was last year, New Breed. It's called uh, Sweet for Max Brown. Joining us now to talk about this, uh, I say remarkable new album. What do you say, Mr. West Covey? I would say this is a pretty remarkable new album yeah. we got here. Yeah, it's it's uh, rapidly what is becoming our favorite label, International mm-hmm. Anthem. They are Chicago. on a string. Dude, they... It, Think about all the great albums that they've put out just in the past like six months. And you've got like, this, yeah. you've got uh, Angela Badawa, I think. Uh, you got yeah. uh, Jamie Branch. You got, and in 2018, you had Micaiah McRaven's Universal Bean. We're going to talk about him in in respects to this. Uh, this one though, Jeff Parker, guitarist for a little band called Tortoise that all of you may know. Um, I'm always unclear. Whether Tortoise is a jam band or post rock or whatever, but I do know that they are very, very beloved by the jam band scene. I would say the answer uh, to that question is no, they are not that. Okay, okay. And then somebody else would say like, oh well, are they this? No. Well, no. what if they? What if they are the only good jam band? That I might be able to. Get I'll just leave that out yeah. there. Yeah, Tortoise is fucking awesome. They had an album in 2016 called The Catastrophist that is is fantastic. So go back and listen to that, but. And anyway, Jeff Parker, uh, when he's not doing that, he's working with all these people. I think he worked on uh, a couple albums that we talked about last year. And uh, and he doesn't do what you would expect if you hear his tortoise work. 
This in particular, he's moving into this more type of Mackay McRaven type of production where these things are recorded. It jams and then jamming by editing and jamming by like mashing stuff up. There is a lot of uh, uh, well, first of all, there's a lot of joy on this album. <laughs> that, that is, it is such a fun album, which is something you don't always hear people talk about when they're talking about jazz. But there's a lot of like inventive stuff, but a lot of meditative, drony, a lot, just all these things you aren't gonna expect from a jazz album. And uh, I think what we're gonna talk about is is how he got to this and what this means in 2020. But I, for people who aren't familiar with his work. Uh, I, I want to, or this album, I want to play this first track. Uh, features his daughter on vocals. This gives you a little bit of idea of like what he's doing, and and honestly, this this track's so fun, dude. Uh, this is this is build a nest. clapping along after that song that is uh honestly for people who don't love jazz who like hip-hop this is this like i don't even know where to put this stuff because jazz influenced hip-hop hip-hop is clearly uh influencing jazz now but this is such a it's operating on such a high level of this stuff uh that uh, this sounds to me like something like completely new completely different and completely unexpected and i know people were excited for this album but holy shit dude yeah. like when when you talk about knocking it out of the park uh this is just something brand new um you know when i'm listening to this uh i i can report to you now that i've been listening to way too much aldi Miola. and that's that's not a good thing is Andy and, and not too and, much yeah and for people not familiar with him uh I don't know if I can recommend them. Uh, there's, there's a lot of opinions out there about them. Uh, Land of the Midnight Sun is is something uh, that he did. It's his first album. It's great. And then, uh, but also I hear a lot of like Shuggy Otis. I hear a lot of his history. But I, I hear a lot of, like we mentioned, what Mackay and McRaven was doing. And th- th- this, I think our friend Marcus Moore likened this to a beat tape. Mm. Uh, uh, and And it creates this like immersive experience uh that is honestly what i'm craving uh this year in fact i think his quote on this uh was basically uh i I like when music is able to enhance the environment of everyday life Mm -hmm. and that's what we want right yeah 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 you can focus a little you can focus a lot it enhances your environment Yeah. yeah yeah it's you know when people make something like we, we've talked about on the past few episodes uh essentially what music is for that's what i mean that's what this podcast is about what music is for and stuff and i think i don't know about you i think we're talking this is what we're talking about <laughs> I, I i think there's 
um, underneath all the samples and uh, hip hop moves and jazz moves, uh, and on that track, and this is one of the few times you hear it, uh, like just a Steely Dan rip, just fucking beautiful. And then it just it, you never hear that the rest of the album. Yeah, you hear more what I was talking about the Demiola, um, and you hear um, some of the Shugiotas a lot, sort of the outer space stuff. Uh, it just it feels so human, and it's sort of like you're sitting you're sitting in the living room with Jeff Parker, and this band just keeps sort of filtering through, and you don't know what you're gonna get. A, a moment on here that that is so, for me, lodged in the '70s, uh, but it feels so right right now. After the rain is just a nice big slice of just. Like the good kind of psychedelia. Here's here's a little bit of after the rain. like Shiggy Otis, but it is, in fact, a John Coltrane cover. Um, this man uh, loves John Coltrane. It comes out in interesting places, too, because uh, you see a lot of the horn arrangements, and that seems obvious. You don't often hear people playing, attempting to even play guitar like Coltrane did. That smoothness, it's really hard to achieve with that instrument. Jeff Parker is a master of this. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, if anything defines him, that he is a master of this, and he gets, like, in there and he studied and uh just sort of channels this entire history right yeah i mean he's one of those players who can really it really seems like he can play just about anything that he wants to um style wise um you know to, to bring in i mean coltrane is is um, <laughs> there's there's so many things to say about coltrane um but he's a remarkable player in so many different ways but one of them is that he could be so smooth and sweet um Mm. and then he could blow the hell out of everything um and that's a really interesting thing because that exact statement could be made about jeff parker um you know generally not necessarily going to say 
oh yeah, Jeff Parker and John Coltrane, like if you like one, check out the other, you know, but it's like, and it's, at the same time, it's kind of a perfect pairing in that way because I'd, I'd say Parker is one of the only guitar players around who I would trust to take something like a John Coltrane tune and do it justice, and he really does. Yeah, and, and listening to that too, you hear uh, Grant Green. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot, a lot of that playing in there, which is obvious. Uh, but like you could hear Jaco Pastorius playing on the back of that. Yeah. Like yeah. very, very easily. And and yeah. it just uh and that's very specific era of of Yaz. Uh that I know people like try to necessarily stay away from. Mm-hmm. And and I understand their trepidation. But when you start to get into that, um it is uh it's like a less scary prog rock. Mm-hmm. It's like if you listen to live yes and it's like, oh shit's all over the place and it takes forever to lock in. And when you do though, uh as long as you don't do this in public it is the best thing in the world yeah um but but you know you don't often get it um with this because people just associate it with uh straight weirdos man Mm -hmm. yeah well so you know i I read an article the other night that um that i will say kind of annoyed me like part of it was the article itself but a lot of it was just Mm -hmm. the stuff that the article was saying largely was was accurate um and uh, I'll, I'll locate it and shoot it over to you. Um, it was an interesting read. It was basically just like five myths about jazz um, as jazz is like, you know, taking a very different place right now than it has in a while. And, um, you know, jazz is is like the first truly American type of music. Um, yeah. And it's something that has waxed and waned throughout American history. Um, you can kind of trace American history through this type of music um, in a lot of ways, which is fascinating. Um, we haven't had a real jazz revival since probably Wynton Marcellus uh, was hitting the scene. You know, obviously there's been some players here and there that have caught attention um, and have brought things up, but not to the extent that we have this last few years with Kamasi Washington, um, yeah. with, you know, the whole international anthem scene in Chicago with a lot of what's going on in the UK and London scenes. Um and I think, you know, to, to go to your point earlier about about this being a fun album, that's one of the problems that jazz has had. Like part of what this article that I was reading was saying is like jazz has had a PR problem, basically. And that's true. Like it's kind of seen as this uber geeky, highly intellectual, like if you can't break it down and talk about exactly the mode that they're playing in over this, you know, ridiculous beat count, um, then you're not going to be able to enjoy jazz. And, and that's definitely not true. Yeah. I mean, I do not yeah. listen to jazz in that way at all. I am not yeah. dissecting in the slightest. I'm not trying to understand musically what they're doing. And yet you, you, the, the, the Sonny Stitt record was hard for you. No, no. Well, I mean, I, I think the problem is, is that with jazz, there's an intellectualism just built mm-hmm. into it, right? Yeah. These yeah. are it, to properly play jazz, you have to be like one of the most intelligent people on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Pu- full stop. Exactly. What you are doing like, is so complex. Yeah. Um, and I will say, you do not need to be one of the most intelligent people on the planet to enjoy jazz. No. Um, and, as evidenced and, by the fact that two of us are here talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's often held as like a badge, like, I like jazz. Right, exactly. And, and, and yeah. you can't like all these other things. But, it, you know, the reality is like you should mm-hmm. like listen to this stuff. And um, like what we said on the Sunny Stitt episode is like take the parts that you like and find yeah. what you like. Yeah. You know, like I said, that choice of going back to that that just schmaltzy like 80s mm-hmm. jazz stuff is so – and I just know it because I'm old – is so uh, – I, I, I'm confounded by it, but I I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you I have to pull records, old records out to get that, and then here is somebody who's roughly our age, I think, and you know yeah. is 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 mining that material. You know, you talk about the London scene, uh, the Chicago Universal Anthem scene, and the uh, and the LA scene, and I think 
I love them all. I think what is pushing this forward and is making a stronger conversation here is the Chicago and London yeah. scene. Uh, you, you know, the, the LA scene is deep. It is rich. Uh, and in in many ways, like Kamasi and that band are melodically superior to everyone. Uh, yeah, but at maybe the same even time, compositionally in some ways. Yeah, but but then they put out a three hour album, and that's right. hard to digest. Yeah, you know yeah. this comes in at like forty minutes. And I will say also about that. I mean, you know, Kamasi and his crew are without a doubt making some of the most exciting and and you know from my sure. opinion, some of the most pleasurable listening experiences in the jazz scene right now. Um, but they are like some of the criticisms of particularly Kamasi as a composer, are that he's really kind of doing a lot of like what McCoy Tyner was doing in the 70s. Um, what, you know, kind of some of that stuff that, that was, you know, not fusion in the really hardcore sense, but was, um, you know, it, it was around and, and he is updating that sound, I think. But it's fair to say he's a little bit more of a 70s style. Like the international anthem stuff is just... There's nothing that they're putting out that sounds like it could have come out at any other time period. Um, yeah. And that's a really interesting thing. I mean, I think my favorite stuff right now um, is the, the UK stuff, the London scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that even in saying that, I would say that's my favorite stuff to listen to right now. Yeah. If you're asking me, like, where's the most creative music coming out at the moment – at least within this field, I would say Chicago, and I would say International Anthem is releasing all of the records. Yeah, you th you think about um, uh, a couple albums we didn't get to last year: uh, Jamie Branch's "Fly or Die 2. Mm -hmm. awesome, um, awesome, and um, uh, Sarathi Korwatz. Yeah, Sir, more arriving. Yeah, Sarathi Korwar, yeah, Korwar, um, um, more arriving. Which yep. is these are jazz albums, but they're they're stretching. There's a there's an energy to them. Yeah. That is hitting on on the London and the Chicago scenes. That is unlike anything. It feels alive. There are moments in this album uh, where you just hear somebody shouting like from the back of the studio, like "Yeah," yeah. you know, <laughs> and 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 hand claps from out of nowhere, and you feel like this energy. And a lot of that is coming from what we talked about, McRaven's sort of new editing style that mm -hmm. he did so well in Universal Beings. It remains to be seen. Like, is this? going to be the mo for all these records this is what everybody's going to do yeah i've actually i wondered that a lot and i think that may have come up when we talked about universal beings um kind of like yeah this is definitely a vision of the future that we're seeing in that mm. album without a doubt um is that kind of like the the one that's going to change everything right there? And obviously that doesn't mean that every player is going to be influenced by it, that everyone playing in the right. jazz field is going to be taking on that that approach, but just kind of like, is this the next big sound? Um, and I think that there's a very solid argument to be made. Um, but the interesting thing is that when that one came out, I was kind of like, okay, let's look at these next couple albums that are going to come out on International Anthem, and are they going yeah. to be that approach? Um, and the Jamie Branch album was not. Um, you get something like Damon Locke's and Black Monument Ensemble, um, you know, really, really interesting album that was definitely not um, long. Now, admittedly, that one was a live document, so that's going to be different from... Yeah, yeah, um, there's a lot of live work. Well, there's live work mixed in the Jamie Branch thing. I, I yeah. disagree. Oh, yeah. I, think, I think that Jamie Branch is, has a lot in common with Universal Beings. Oh, it definitely And in common with this. Yeah, it, it, it has a lot in common. Um, I feel like... I mean, I guess my point is that I feel like this is the one that when I hear it, I'm like, this is the next step of what McRaven is doing. 
Jamie Branch, I feel like there was enough of a mix um, on that album. It definitely has elements of it, but this is the next one where I feel like, yeah, this is the next step following along McRaven's kind of like, you know, new idea. And it is, I will definitely say, you know, from my understanding, Jeff Parker was kind of hitting on that same idea at similar times. I don't think, you know, again, from from what I understand of this stuff, I don't think it was necessarily like McRaven just had this brilliant idea and then passed it on to everyone else. Like right. Parker right. DJs also, he does production. He does, I mean, he does a ton of different things. Um, but it sounds like he was kind of playing with some of the same ideas around the time that McRaven was starting to work with them as well. So I don't think it's necessarily just a McRaven does this and then Parker copies him by any means. Um, but I do feel like this is the one that is kind of like the next take on that approach of sampling and looping, um, and things like that in a really, really cool, creative, vibrant way. Yeah. So what happens when we get to a track, uh, a more straightforward track like Narciss? There, there's so many things that I love about this track, um, um, and and for one thing, um, just just a quick shout out to um, to Josh Johnson on the alto sax there, um, and to Rob Mazurik um, on the piccolo trumpet. I know um, all the listeners are going to be huge piccolo trumpet fans, <laughs> um, obviously, but uh, but I, I will I do want to just give give a brief shout out. I was really really excited when I saw Rob Mazurik's name on here. He's also released um, some of the earlier records on International Anthem. Um, does some amazing work with the Chicago Underground um, duo and trio, um, and with uh, Sao Paulo um, Underground, and like he, he's doing some awesome, awesome stuff. So I was really excited to see him on here. Um, but the way that the that those the, the, the piccolo trumpet and the alto sax are used um, at the end of Narciss, um I absolutely love, and the reason that I love that part so much um, is that. What you have is altered horns. Um, you know, th- there's some looping going on there, I'm quite sure. Um, there's some sort of digital processing going on there. And that's something that Rob Mazurik does a lot of um, himself. Um, a lot of his projects will feature that. Um, but it just it works so well and it feels so alive um, and emotional. Um, which does bring me to one of the points that I really wanted to make on this stuff. And it's something that I will say is, is a bit of a fear with this new approach um and it's interesting because you know you you already mentioned this kind of you know tie um almost like you know hand in hand back and forth between jazz and hip-hop um you know and that's something that i'm very aware of because when i started to really develop a love for hip-hop um it was with groups like tripod quest um De La Soul, Us Three, um, you know, that kind of stuff. It was very, very jazz oriented. Um, and that was before I had really gotten into jazz. And it really, that stuff led me into, um, you know, when I was listening to a lot of those records in the early 90s and then just being like, oh, okay, like, who are these people? And, you know, that was where I got into Miles and Coltrane and all those people um, from there. And then now... Us Three. 
Us three is exactly. Thank you. There's like the one other that I wasn't. Us three and and Diggable Planets. And Diggable Planets. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, Us three is probably to... my favorite album of them. And Diggable Planets just am- yeah. That, that's I loved that stuff so much and still do. I went back to a few of those records recently. And actually, Diggable Planets was just reissued on vinyl last year, I believe. Yeah, it was. It's fantastic. And, yeah. and it and it holds up like so much. So better. well. I mean, yeah. that was an album that you had like in the dorm room and get got high to, and you didn't understand all the references because right. we weren't there yet, like right. as a culture. Yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah. like what um, is and, this stuff, you know. And now you listen to it and you you understand like how genius, yeah, like that was. Yep. And then us three, the kicker was they had the actual access to the Blue Note catalog, exactly, and that makes a huge difference. As did Madlib when he was doing, yeah. um, you know, an album that was um, that I'm blanking on the title right now, but that was super influential on Parker and McRaven both. Um, and so it's really cool to see this back and forth. I mean, that stuff in the early 90s was hip hop artists going back to kind of the origins of where that stuff comes from and bringing the jazz in. What we're seeing now is jazz artists who grew up on hip hop. So that's a very different approach. Um, and one of the things that's so exciting to me about the jazz that's coming all around um, the world right now is that you've got, I probably have even said this about some of the other albums and other conversations, but you've got these drummers who have studied um, Jay Dilla and Mad Lib um, and hip hop production just as much as they've studied Tony Williams and Max Roach and the jazz drummers. Um, so it means that they can do this super, super creative stuff. Um, and obviously that does also lead to this idea of looping and sampling. Um, and to get back of this, this, this thing, the one fear that I have, um, and I will say that even to a certain extent, the more I've listened to McRaven's Universal Beings. Um, it does bother me a little bit with that record. I'm afraid a little bit that some of the emotion of good jazz is going to get lost um, with sampling. And so just kind of putting that out as the thing where I'm like, okay, this is awesome. It's so exciting. You can do so much with this. But the interesting thing is that's the same criticism that was made a lot when people started to produce beats. It's like, but you're losing the emotion yeah. that a drummer can bring in, you know, um, you know, you hear some of those things oh. like, you know, um, leave on the only drummer who can make you cry. And, you know, those it, yeah, I mean, if, if you scan like just today, like uh, Chris Richards uh, from The Washington Post did his uh, annual like, Grammy piece and stuff. And there's always people in his comment section that complain that like hip hop isn't music because it doesn't have any of these components it's like you're you're an idiot. Yeah, bullshit. But that said, like I, I, I think I, you know it's interesting, um, and this should be like just common knowledge and common sense. But I, th- I think this this pull towards uh, using more hip hop stuff is, uh, look, hip hop rap is by its very nature an, an improvisational art form. Yes, you know when this started out, it was it was freestyling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody was writing except anything but jazz. That's yeah. just jazz. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it's sort of built into the DNA here, and, uh, and, and yeah. So I don't find it so much. I, I don't find it emotionless. No, no. I, I'm afraid that it could become that. I guess. I guess is what I'm right. saying. So far, like McRaven's album is not. This album is definitely not. You know, this is fun. It's exuberant. It's life filled, um, and that's what the music needs to stay. So that's kind of just my one thing. It's kind of like, you know, warning to the people who are listening to and maybe influenced by this kind of stuff is you have to keep that emotion in. Um, yeah, yeah. Because there is the potential to kind of lose. I mean, I would say, for example, like because jazz is an improv improvisational music, that is what makes it so challenging because you can play something that is brilliant 
and then fuck it up royally two seconds later. Yeah. And that's that's the crazy thing. Like, there's just so much in order to do. I mean, it, it's what's so incredible about a live recording of Coltrane's quartet. Like, those guys, like, there's not a lot of mistakes when you listen through their catalogs, you know. And those are, like, long pieces where they're extending all over the place, you know. And so the one problem with this approach of potentially taking and, and sampling and looping and things like that is you can take that moment of brilliance, cut out the mistakes, cut out those other things. Right. And sometimes something can get lost in that. And again, like, I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm being very clear on the point that the, that I am not talking about Jeff Parker's album when I'm saying these fears. Like, his album is absolutely not um, any of these things, but it just... I, I hope that we don't go into a place where the emotion is getting lost with the technicalities of sampling and looping um, in a type of music I, that I, needs I, that emotion. I, you know, I, I can see that. And and, uh, and and Wes, I know you just turned 40, but this just sounds like old man shouting the clouds, man. I, you Get know, off my I, lawn, Kevin. Yeah, I don't, I don't have this fear. Um, because uh, what are we? I mean, look. If 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 the music becomes just boring, it's just boring, I, and I don't think mm -hmm. this is necessarily mm -hmm. a new approach to what they're doing. I think what you're seeing is uh, almost the opposite in that people are realizing that you can get some real emotion out of a machine, essentially. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, this is why, uh, in a completely other genre, this is why Sylvanesso is successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. F full stop. That's sure. it. Yeah. They they yeah. make music that people feel emotionally yeah. and not because they can dance to it. They can do both. But right. it, but it, yeah. you know and people and, can make that kind of music without managing to do what they do. And it yes. is I mean it, it's really important I guess with that. You know, that's a good example as compared, you know, or, or along with this stuff um of this point. Good music is not threatened by bad music. <laughs> right <laughs> there's going to be plenty of bad music there's always plenty of bad music let's be honest there's way more bad music than good music but and, and the only time that that does become a threat of some form um you know going back to this idea of like you know jazz has a pr problem basically mm -hmm. like if people would forget about what they think they know about jazz and listen to a lot of these new sounds with open minds i think they would find a lot of really exciting music that they can feel um and that part is what is so exciting about this stuff, you know, for me um, and, yeah. and many other people, um, you know, that, that are feeling it. And, and again, it's not threatened by the bad stuff. So people can come in and they can make emotionless, sampled, <laughs> looped stuff with mm -hmm. the saxophones and, and you know, even the, the damn piccolo trumpet if you want to. Um, mm -hmm. But that is not going to affect or threaten the fact that when you take somebody who is as talented as Jeff Parker, when you take somebody who is yeah. as talented as Micaiah McRaven, um, and you know, how many other people are out there who might do something really amazing with this. Um, and, and I'll just say like, that's what I hope happens from it is that we continue to get amazing, yeah, you know, creative, emotional approaches to this type of idea. Yeah. Yeah, before we get out of here, I, I do want to, speaking of that, you know, I do want to, something that you don't expect in this stuff, although it keeps showing up on these international al anthem albums, is very uh, straightforward political statements. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Branches is fucking mm -hmm. uh, but Damon but this, Lost is kind of the entire yeah, thing. Yeah, Damon Lost the whole thing. <laughs> but, a little bit of politics. Yeah, but, but, but this track, Go Away, is, uh, I'll play a little and then I'll tell you what it's about.
song is, uh, my understanding, uh, a, uh, a message to one Donald J. Trump. And it it is repetitive. It, it just plays like somebody poking you and poking you. Be like, dude, just fucking go away. Go away. Go, 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 go away. away. And he says it a few times, but it's just like, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's great. It creates a creates a vibe, and you don't have to see it in that light necessarily. But once you do, it it becomes hilarious. Mm. Just these the, the idea of these jazz players just like playing this dude off, like get the yeah. fuck yeah. out, dude. It's fuck like the book at the Apollo going in jazz town. Go yeah. away, yeah. you're done. Yeah, you're done. it's um, it's uh, and and that is a lot of the humor that you see in Jeff Parker that comes into yep. this and. Um, Shout out to Paul Bryan playing bass on that track. Um, he plays on a couple of these, and man, I like for his sake. I kind of hope that those are looped because that is some complex, like finger twisting stuff that he's playing through yeah. there. But I think it's probably live. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it probably is. <laughs> you know, uh, and and you know, you were mentioning in the break how uh, you know, there are some great players on here. Mackay uh, McCraven, obviously. Um, I think the whole international crew, like uh, Genius Paul might be in it. Is he on here? I don't know. He's not on this one. Yeah. And, and I wondered if he was going to be. But yeah, no, he doesn't play on this. Um, but a lot of this is just Jeff. Yeah. It's a shame I mean, he couldn't find anybody to play with him. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Well, he's just good enough to not need to. Actually, no, it, it was it was uh, sort of the point of this album. He said that uh, he usually improvises with people. And if you go back and listen to these uh, 20... Was it 2018 album? 18 was, or 17? The I New Breed. The New it was 2018. Breed, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 2018. Uh, it is more straight ahead jazz. Yeah. Love. I, mean, I love that album so much. It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it's more straight ahead jazz. And he, he has spent his career like collaborating with people. Mm-hmm. And this, he said, because it was so personal, you know, he wanted to have an album that uh, it was dedicated to his mom that his mom could hear right while she yeah. was still alive yeah because the new breed uh, was uh was dedicated to his dad and his dad passed away during the recording yeah um, yeah um and you know he wanted to do it and have it just be him almost like a, a test of what he could do mm-hmm. and like what he really has to say that's a um especially this far into his career because he i mean he was playing before this but he joined tortoise in 1996 yeah uh, he must you know young at that point I guess. yeah that just you know, hit that, me the other day. That's a that's kind of a bold move to just yeah. be like, I've got all this momentum behind me, but like, uh, what do I have to say? And and I'll say that for me is is really what lands the humanity of this, yeah, uh, and and makes it so good, so it feels so personal. Um, and you drop the needle on it, and you're just like, you're hanging out with some some buddies, man. Yeah, yep, and that's that's one of the interesting things. Um, and I will, I will say, you know, as somebody who loves jazz, sometimes the complexity of the music does make it feel like you're not just hanging out with some buddies. And that's one of the things I would say, you know, maybe even more so on the new breed, the last record, um, like that is just one of the grooviest records that I've got. Like it, it's, it, it's an awesome, like, you know, listeners, next time you've got just a nice sunny afternoon without anything going on, put on Jeff Parker, the new breed, just kick back hang out with some buddies like it's just it's a groovy positive uplifting album um this one is you know in some ways kind of at least a thematic companion piece being the tribute to his mom as opposed to the tribute to his dad um but it's 
this one is quite different in a lot of ways. Um, and I would say possibly, you know, more forward thinking, more progressive, um, a little more creative, maybe. Um, but at the same time, perhaps a little bit less groovy than the new breed was. Um, but just, I mean, he is making some of the best music. Right now. If, if Mackay McCraven refers to himself as a beat scientist now, then Jeff Parker is the one who's making the new science. I mean, that's that's the only way to put it. This is yeah. uh, yep. This is so uh, – get on board now, kids, mm-hmm. is, is, is what we're saying. Like, You'll be glad is, you did. Yeah, this is, this is just going to be uh, – we're building a nice bedrock of 2020 already of, mm-hmm. of really good – uh, solid works from people, and some in this case, uh, almost unexpected works. Yeah, uh, from people that are uh, that are maybe doing their best work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is this is a, a fantastic listen. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and come back and uh, hit you with some more tunage. So hang tight, and uh, maybe go listen to some uh, Jeff Parker or something. All right. Jeff Parker's Sweet for Max Brown is available everywhere. You can buy fine records. My vinyl copy just showed up today. Ordered it from the fine people over at International Anthem. And uh, I really, I need to get down to Chicago. Or maybe, guys, if you're coming up here to Milwaukee, uh, we, we should get up. We should chat. Uh, because uh, they, they are doing the good work in 2020 here, along with Jeff Parker. But this is a, uh, as we said, this is a must-have record. So go out and get it, kids. Uh, before we get out of here, I said I wanted to talk about light beams. Now, uh, I used to get out and see a lot of live music in Washington, D.C. Uh, there's obviously the Discord scene, the DIY scene, or whatever. And one of the guys who came up in this is a guy by the name of Moyer. Him and his friend Sam Levine and Arthur Knoll formed light beams in the past few years that I was there. I never got to see him, but uh, holy shit, what a band. This is, you know, if you follow... Uh, bands from there, a little band by the name Beauty Pill, our friend Chad Clark. This is the only band that he sees and is like, uh, uh, wants to be. Uh, he really is like, th- this is the ideal. I, I tend to agree with him. Uh, this is high energy uh, dance rock, and that's not even, that's that doesn't do it justice. Uh, they're pulling in stuff from hip-hop, from rock, uh, from punk, from everything, and, and the goal is simply to provide you with a positive experience. They certainly do this on their new album, Self Help. We've got a track for you off that uh, to get you acquainted with them in case you haven't heard of them. And uh, hopefully they're going to be your new favorite band, guys. So here it is off of Light Beam's Self Help, Sacred Scales.
Secret Scales from Light Beams for you right there. That is a uh, song, a band, a uh, an album uh, that, as the kids say, definitely fucks. Uh, this is, uh, you know, I, I kind of knew this was coming down the pipe, and it was uh, it made my week to to get a hold of this thing, and it, it's gonna make uh, it makes me happy to be able to give it to you. And maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe you have never heard of this band, but now you have, and now you get to celebrate them. And you'll probably, if you're on the East Coast, get to see them before I get a chance to. But uh, any of you guys in Light Beams, if you're listening, if you want to come to Milwaukee, hit me up. We'll set it up, guys. We'll make it happen. Um, that is it for this episode of Discologist. If you like what you heard, hit us up on the socials. We are a Chunky Glasses production. That means if you go to ChunkyGlasses.com, you can find all of our episodes there, along with all our great live coverage from uh, throughout the D.C. region and some up here in Milwaukee. Uh, out on the socials at, at, at Chunky Glasses, on Facebook, Twitter, all that. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends to do that. Um, and coming up in the next few weeks... We're going to be talking about, uh, and you shall know us by the Trail of Dead. We're going to be talking about Destroyer. He has a new album out that uh, I talked with Philip Bass night about, it, and it was um, it was interesting, interesting conversation. Uh, we are going to be talking about John Moreland has a new album coming out. If you haven't heard him and you love uh, '90s Springsteen vibe, then you are in for a treat. Going to be talking about the Sundays. Going to, we're just going to be talking about a fuck ton of music, kids. And because uh, that's what we do here. So, uh, so hopefully get out there, put some good music in your ears. We'll be back next week. Uh, until then, stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!